0: This morning, if you would, and turn to Book of Matthew, Matthew chapter thirteen. Excuse me, Matthew chapter thirteen, and we're just going to read verse thirty-three, and then we'll have a word of prayer. This is another parable. Spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Let's commit our time this morning to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, heavenly Father, we once more thank you for the <clears throat> opportunity of being here this morning, Lord, taking some time out uh, to worship you and to spend around your word. Lord, I pray that this morning you would uh, take your word and you would apply it to our hearts and our lives. That, Lord, you would refresh us. You would bless us through your word. That, Lord, we would see you and you alone this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would empower me now through the Spirit. you give me wisdom and guidance that only you can give. And that it would be your words and your thoughts. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, as we said last time. Uh, of course, we're looking at the parables on Sunday mornings. As we said last time, um, we've come now to some of our Lord's parables concerning the kingdom of heaven. And these uh, particular parables are some of the most difficult ones to understand. And for that reason, it is important that we keep in mind a correct understanding of this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. What exactly That phrase means and we considered this extensively last time Uh, we saw that the kingdom of heaven and the church are not the same thing they're not interchangeable terms the church is definitely part of the kingdom but the kingdom extends past the end of this church age you know the kingdom of heaven as we said is a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of men beginning when Christ of course died on the cross for our sins And it will continue until his second coming. And so it is important to keep in mind that these kingdom parables are not primarily about the church. And if we can keep that in mind, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll gain a proper understanding of them as we go through. They definitely have application for the church, for us as believers. But they're about the kingdom as a whole, as a whole time period. Last time we considered the parable similitude that's found in verse 31 and 32 which Tim read for us it says in verse 31 another parable put he forth unto them saying the kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all seeds but when it is grown it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof So, we looked at this particular parable similar to last time where Christ likens the kingdom to a grain of mustard seed. And we saw that this parable really is a prophecy, a prophecy that we can look back and see fulfilled. You know, Christ declares the truth that the kingdom of heaven will have a very small, insignificant beginning, like a grain of mustard seed, and yet it will grow into a large and healthy tree, a large and healthy kingdom. And we saw. That fulfilled, of course, with the disciples in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came upon them and the the church age begins, the, the kingdom begins, that spiritual kingdom, and indeed it has spread, it has grown all over the world. We today are part of this spiritual kingdom as the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts if we know the Lord as our Savior. And so we considered that mustard seed parable last time, and this morning now we come to the parable found in verse 33. Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Now this parable is closely related to the parable concerning the mustard seed. They have similar meanings as we'll see uh, this morning. It's found twice in the scriptures. It's found here in Matthew chapter 13 and also over in Luke chapter 13. So let's just turn over there and read Luke's account. Excuse me. Uh, In Luke 13 and verse 20. I will start back in verse 18 because in verse 18 it says Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like, and whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And again he said, he said, "Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. so again, here in Luke chapter thirteen, we see uh, these same two parables together, okay, the mustard seed, followed quickly by this parable concerning um, <clears throat> as we'll, as we see this morning, this leaven, this idea of leaven, and so they they're closely related to. One another. I think it's also important to note as we begin this morning that like the parable of the mustard seed This parable is one of considerable controversy again among the commentators now, The commentators again cannot agree on interpretation. They are divided into two camps There are those who say that this parable speaks about the iniquity that will enter into the kingdom And then there are those who say that it speaks about the influence of the kingdom And so just like we saw with the mustard seed, there is these two camps, one that holds it to be negative and the other that sees it to be a positive uh, parable. And so in order for us to arrive this morning at a biblical understanding of the parable, we need to start off by considering this idea of the leaven. That's our first point this morning, the leaven. Let's consider this idea of the leaven. Verse 33 again there. It says, another parable spake unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. It's very clear, isn't it? Our Lord says here, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. And so in order to understand this parable, we need to understand this idea of leaven, don't we? We need to understand what Christ is speaking about here. What's the image that he's giving us? And how one views the leaven, will determine how you interpret the parable. Okay, So it all hinges on this point. It all hinges on how you view this image of the leaven. And it's here that all the controversy is found. You see, those who view the parable as a negative, or in a negative light, they consider the leaven here to speak of iniquity, to speak of evil, speak of corruption entering in. And to justify this view, they point to the way that leaven is used consistently throughout the word of God. For instance, let's go to Exodus chapter 12 this morning. Exodus chapter 12, we see uh, the Passover and we read about how leaven was to be removed from the homes of the people. Exodus chapter 12. And let's read, first of all, verse 8. This is Moses when he first institutes the Passover. Okay, this is the instructions from the Lord. Verse 8 there it says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So they were to partake of the Passover with unleavened bread. And if you turn down, to go down, sorry, to verse 15. <clears throat> verse 15, the same chapter, it says, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. "'Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. "'For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, "'that soul shall be cut off from Israel. "'And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, "'and in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. "'No manner of work shall be done in them, "'save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. "'And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread.' For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the 1 and 20th day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be stranger or born in the land you shall not eat uh, sorry you shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations shall you eat unleavened bread makes it very clear verses 15 to 20 in particular there this idea at the Passover meal they were to eat only unleavened bread and they were to remove leaven from their houses for seven days this seven-day feast the feast of unleavened bread and so here in Exodus chapter 12 we see clearly that leaven here is this This picture of something that needs to be taken away, needs to be gotten rid of. It's a picture of sin, picture of corruption. And so people were to remove it from their homes so they might come and, and partake of the Passover and worship the Lord. We see it again in Exodus chapter 34. Let's turn over there as well. Exodus 34. Exodus 34, verse 25. It says, Thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven. Neither shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left unto the morning. And so here again in Exodus 34, we see this idea. The people are to bring their sacrifice, it says, without leaven. You know, God is commanding here that the blood offering was brought without leaven. It's that idea of the Passover again, the Passover lamb. Before they killed it, before they brought that sacrifice, they were to get rid of leaven from their houses. And so again, it's this picture of sin, corruption that needed to be removed. They needed to purify themselves. And so it is indeed true that consistently throughout the Old Testament, we see leaven used as a symbol of sin and corruption. And even in the New Testament, we see it used in this way. In Matthew chapter 16, Christ uses leaven as a picture of the the false doctrine of the the Pharisees. Just turn there, Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 6. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. When which Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have not brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves and the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up, neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand, that I speak it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they, how that he bade them not beware of the sorry, bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And so Christ himself, in Matthew chapter sixteen, he uses leaven as a picture of the false doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's warning his disciples about the danger it poses and how it will spread, how it causes corruption. So we see Christ himself use it in this way. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul uses it this way as well in 1 Corinthians. Let's just turn there, last one. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul uses it as a picture of carnality entering into the church. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6. It says, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So very clearly here, Paul is using leaven as a picture of carnality, entering into the church. And he speaks about here the fact that we are to be pure. We are to be free of leaven, even as our Passover, Christ, is pure. So it is absolutely true. That throughout the Word of God, leaven is a symbol of sin and corruption. It is used in that way. That is true. But the question we must ask ourselves as we come to the parable this morning in Matthew 13 and Luke 13, the question we must ask is, is that how Christ is using leaven here? Is that the picture that he's giving us? And, you know, many commentators would have us believe that that is the case. However, one commentator rightly pointed out this. He said, The figurative language of Scripture is not so stereotyped that one figure must always stand for one and the same thing. In other words, God's Word is capable of using the same image to represent two completely different truths. God's Word is capable of changing the image based on the context in which it is used. For instance, let's go to First Peter chapter 5. A verse I'm sure we're all very familiar with First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. First Peter five, eight, very clearly. Satan here is pictured as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Then if you turn over to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, Revelation 5 and verse 5 says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. In Revelation 5, we now see that Christ is the lion. He's pictured as a lion here. And so here we have the the lion used as an image for both Satan and for the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. You couldn't get to more extreme, different pictures. And, you know, we could look at other images in the Word of God where it changes based on how it's used. So the point is that an image must be judged on the context in which it is used, not simply on how it is used in other places in the scripture. It's the context in each case that must decide the the symbolic meaning for us. You know, those who view the leaven here in Matthew 13 as being a picture of sin, corruption, and evil, they're not considering the context in which it's used. You know, Christ clearly says there in verse 13, another parable spake unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. I don't know about you, but that's very clear, isn't it? The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Okay, so if leaven means evil, corruption and sin, Christ says the kingdom of heaven is sin, corruption and evil. Isn't that what Christ says? So the context alone makes it very clear that leaven cannot be negative. Very clear. Butler writes this. He says, If leaven is going to symbolize evil here, it teaches us that the kingdom of God is a very evil influence. It teaches us that the kingdom of heaven is spreading corruption as leaven permeates bread dough. This teaching certainly does not speak well of the character of the kingdom. It seems to me very clear. And you might ask the question, well, why do so many good commentators, and they are good men, why do so many good commentators Say the leaven here speaks of evil if it's so obvious. Well, it's because they completely miss what Christ says represents the kingdom of heaven. They change it and they say that the kingdom of heaven is represented by the three measures of meal. Okay, in verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in the three measures of meal. So the whole was leaven. And so they say the three measures of meal represents the kingdom. And the leaven is added to the kingdom and is this corrupting influence. That's how they arrive at their conclusion. But, beloved, that's poor exegetics. That's poor exegetics. That's changing what God's word says. And so, clearly, leaven, I hope you've clearly understood, leaven cannot mean evil, it cannot mean corruption. So, what then does it speak of? Well, you know, as we're studying this week, I think it's pretty simple. Christ Himself tells us. Christ gives us the meaning in the words that follow, doesn't he? Let's read verse 33 again. Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Okay, in verse 33 we read that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman has taken, she's hid in these three measures of meal, until that whole lump of dough is leavened. And so it's clear here that Christ, when he gives this parable, this image, Christ is actually thinking about the effect that leaven has upon some dough. That's, that's the image, isn't it? Okay? He's given us this image of what leaven does to dough when added to it. He's highlighting for us the permeating power of leaven. And to do this, he gives, gives us this image of a woman hiding or adding leaven to some meal. You've got to remember in Bible times, bread was, of course, a staple part of the people's diet, wasn't it? And so they all were familiar with the process of making bread. Either they had done it themselves or they'd seen their wife or their mother do it. They were all familiar with what Christ is talking about here, the picture, the image he gives. You see, the leaven referred to here was a small portion of dough retained from the day before that was added to the new mixture to make it ferment and rise. Dwight Pentecost, he writes this, each day the housewife would grind wheat into flour then she would mix it in with flour, uh, sorry, with the flour, a portion of dough retained from the previous day's bread making. The ingredients would then be set aside so that the yeast in the lump of dough from the previous day could do its work and cause the new dough to rise and be ready to be baked into bread. And so it's this process that the people are thinking of. When Christ gives this little parable here, They're picturing this in their mind. They're picturing this idea of the woman going through this whole process to make bread. They're not thinking about leaven as being sin here. Rather, they're thinking about it being a powerful agent necessary to make bread rise. They're also thinking about how it takes just that small little portion of leaven to leaven the whole lump, to change the whole and produce great results. You know, today... We understand that leaven is, or yeast, is these microorganisms. And they work silently, unseen, within the dough, feeding upon the sugars. And as they feed, they give off carbon dioxide, they give off ethanol, and it's the carbon dioxide, that gas that produces the rise in the dough, causes the dough to rise. And so these little organisms, unseen, are feeding and leavening the whole. And it's that unseen permeating power of leaven that Christ is drawing our attention to here. Pentecost summed it up really well. He said, Thus the emphasis is not on the nature of yeast that could represent evil, but rather on the way that yeast works when it is introduced into the mixture. When a housewife, housewife mixes yeast into the ingredients that will make bread, She starts a process that is irreversible and that will continue to work pervasively, persistently, and unseen until the entire mixture is made ready for the oven. The housewife has no way of interrupting or reversing the process once it has begun. You see, that's the idea here. It's the permeating power of leaven that Christ draws our attention to. And Christ says the kingdom of heaven has that same power. That's the parable here this morning. And so let's consider here, secondly, now the permeating power of the kingdom. The permeating power of the kingdom. You now, what exactly is Christ teaching us here about the kingdom? Well, to put it simply, Christ is teaching his disciples and teaching us that this spiritual kingdom will be an unstoppable force. An unstoppable force. It will work persistently, pervasively, and irreversibly in the hearts of men. You know, unlike other kingdoms which are established with military might and with a great show of external power, this kingdom will be established by a quiet, unseen working from within in the hearts of men, producing great results so how do we see the evidence of this permeating power? Well, there's two applications here this morning. We can see it, first of all, in the progress of the gospel in the world. The progress of the gospel in the world. You know, this first application is very similar to that of the mustard seed. You know, this idea that from a very small beginning, this small amount of leaven... The kingdom has grown and it will continue to grow until, Christ says, the whole is leaven, until it's brought to completion. And so like the mustard seed, it speaks of a small insignificant beginning and it speaks of exponential growth. But the emphasis here in this parable is on that silent, unseen growth and that silent, unseen change that the kingdom brings. Indeed, it's the gospel message That produces that change. If you want, you could say the king of heaven is pictured by the gospel here this morning. The gospel is like leaven that has been kneaded into the dough of mankind and it has slowly permeated the whole. Matthew Henry wrote this. He said, the apostles by their preaching hid a handful of leaven in the great mass of mankind and had a strange effect. It put the world into ferment and, in a sense, turned it upside down. And by degrees, made a wonderful change in the taste and relish of it. The apostles sowed that little bit of leaven, and that leaven has spread and it has turned the world upside down. Acts chapter 17, let's just turn there. Acts 17, we see that the gospel turned the world upside down. Acts 17 and verse 6 we'll start in verse five, Acts 17 verse five, it says, "But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took them, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, "These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also." whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Here we see this this truth expressed, don't we? These men grab Jason and drag him out because they can't find the apostles, can't find Paul, and drag him out. And their, their declaration is that these men have turned the world upside down, have come down here as well. How have they turned the world upside down? By preaching the gospel message. He said the gospel message produces a change from within in the hearts of men. And it means that people now lived differently. As Paul went about spreading the gospel message, there was a change in society, change in the way people lived. Those people who got saved stopped worshipping the pagan gods of old. They stopped worshipping Caesar and instead they worshipped Christ as king. They started treating people differently. You know, instead of returning evil for evil, they returned good for evil. They showed grace, they showed love, they showed mercy. They no longer engaged in the immoral acts of the world. You see, the gospel, little by little as it spread, turned the world upside down. Everywhere it spread, it produced a change. And you know, Satan through the ages has tried to stop that progress, hasn't he? He's tried to halt the leaven from leavening the whole. You know, he's attacked the faith. Satan has infiltrated the church with false doctrine down through the centuries. You know, for centuries, Satan tried to keep the word of God, the Bible, out of the hands of the common man. You know, he tried to keep it bound up in Latin so we couldn't understand it. You know, Satan has never been able to stop the spread of the gospel. The spread of the kingdom of heaven Indeed, Christ has assured us that he never will succeed. Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16. Verse 17. I will start in verse 16. It says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon by flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the king, keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now Christ says there in verse 18, he says that <coughs> the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against Against it, the forces of Satan can never prevail against the kingdom of heaven. They cannot stop the power of the gospel. Now, Hebrews 4 verse 12 speaks about the power of God's word. Let's turn there, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits, of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. The writer Hebrews talks about the power of God's word. It's like a two-edged sword, piercing into the very heart of man, revealing what a man is like. And the word of God does an unseen work in their lives through the power of the Spirit. Romans 1 verse 16 declares that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel itself is powerful. It changes men. It produces a change in their hearts and as a consequence, it turns the world upside down. It changes society. Now, If we want to change the world, that's how we do it, through the gospel message. That's the, that's the permeating power. That's the leaven. It's the word of God. You know, that permeating effect of the gospel is still ongoing today. You know, at times we may be tempted to think that it's failing. You know, we look around the world and become discouraged. But Beloved, it cannot fail. Christ has said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God has given us his assurance in his word that it cannot fail. It cannot be stopped. Beloved, the kingdom is still spreading. The gospel is still spreading. Powerful, it is still producing a change in the hearts of men, and it will continue to do so until Christ says the whole is leavened. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone will be saved, we know that. Okay, when Christ says there at the end of verse 33, till the whole was leavened, he's not saying till everyone in the world gets saved, we know that, but it means that Christ's kingdom will continue to march on. It will continue to grow. It will continue to um, permeate the world until Christ comes again in victory. It will continue. Butler writes this, The parable is not about the progress of our age, but about the progress of the divine kingdom. Our age is and will continue to become more corrupt every day. But the character of the end of our age is not the character of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is headed to victory. That's what the parable tells us. The kingdom of God is headed to victory. It will continue to permeate the world until brought to completion when Christ comes again. The second application here is the progress of the gospel in our own hearts. The progress of the gospel in the world, and now the progress of the gospel in our hearts. You know, the parable also teaches us about the inward work of the gospel in the life of each individual believer. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse. 17. Let's turn there. <clears throat> tells us that when we get saved, we are new creatures. 2 Corinthians 5, <clears throat> verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man, being Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We are new Creatures, We are born again. We're given a new nature. The Bible says it's a work of regeneration done by the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 3 tells us that. And so we're regenerated. We're made new by, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit within. When we get saved, we're positionally sanctified. We stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But you know, after we get saved, there is now an ongoing work, isn't there? You know, the leaven, if you like, is being put there in our hearts. And now there is this ongoing work as little by little we are changed to reflect him. Philippians chapter 1. Let's go to Philippians 1. <clears throat> Philippians 1 and verse 6. It says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, until the day of Jesus Christ. In Philippians, we're told that He has begun this work in us and He will bring it to completion. He's begun the work at the point of salvation and He will bring that work to completion, that work of sanctification. Christ is working within, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to change us and continue to do that work until the whole is leavened. Yeah, that work of sanctification will be complete when we see Christ. Isn't that what first John three tells us? First John chapter three. <clears throat> 1 John three and verse two. It says, Beloved now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The work of sanctification began when we got saved. It's ongoing in this life. And when we see Christ, we are glorified. That work of sanctification is complete. We will be finally changed to be like Him. But beloved, until then, the Holy Spirit is doing a work within. The Holy Spirit is doing a work as we spend time in His Word. And little by little, it's leavening the whole lump. Second Corinthians three verse eighteen. We'll finish there this morning. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter three. Second Corinthians three verse eighteen says, But we all with open face beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we spend time in his word. Little by little, the Holy Spirit is changing us from glory to glory, changing us into his image. Beloved, that is the power of the gospel, the power of the word of God, the power of the kingdom of heaven. It's like leaven working silently, pervasively, persistently, and irreversibly in the hearts of men. Let's close this morning in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for this wonderful parable which gives us this wonderful glimpse of the permeating power of the kingdom. Lord, the gospel message has indeed permeated the world. It has changed the world. It turned the world upside down. And Lord, the gospel message changes each of us when we come to you in faith. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here this morning who's not saved, that they would realize that that's where they need to begin by accepting you as their Savior. And Lord, for those of us who are saved, may we each day be in your word, in prayer. Lord, little by little, being leavened, being changed to be more like you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Blessed to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name.